This podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our AI in Action series, where leading minds in AI from across the world share their story, success, and advice. AI in Action cuts through the hype and explores the true impact of artificial intelligence in our world today. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Matt Davis. Matt is the Vice President of Data Science at Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, JP. Thanks for having me. We're delighted to have you. So, Matt, let's start with yourself, please, as we do with all our guests. Could you please give us a bit of an overview of your background in technology and what your journey has been, where you got started, some of the roles you've held along the way, and what's led you to where you are today as the, the VP of Data Science for Jazz Pharma? I've got a pretty, I think, unique journey in my career. So, believe it or not, I used to be a middle school math teacher. That was my first foray into a quantitative profession. So, I spent two and a half years as a middle school math teacher decided that I wanted to get a job a little bit closer to home. And I was getting a master's in applied statistics from Westchester University at the time here in Pennsylvania and decided to take an internship at a CRO in the clinical trial space in clinical statistics. I did that for a number of years, got fired and realized that as much as I enjoyed working at a CRO, I wanted to be the guy that told people what to do and design the programs as opposed to being the one that just executed the programs and realized the only way to really do that was to go get my PhD. So I got my PhD from the University of Pennsylvania while working full-time at the CRO. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but for me, it worked and it got me to where I am today, which I'm very grateful for. I started my career in pharma at Teva Pharmaceuticals, where I was an individual contributor in the neuroscience program leading in clinical statistics. Teva was going through some tough times during that. So uh, I had a number of my bosses that kept leading which actually opened up a lot of opportunity for me to keep getting new roles very quickly. So in a very short amount of time, I spent a couple of years, I uh, became the therapeutic area head over neuroscience. Then I became the head of statistics and then I became the head of biometrics there. Uh, I was able to pick up a lot of different skills during that time across R&D, which included non-clinical and preclinical and bioinformatics and medical affairs and real world evidence. Really grateful for those opportunities. I left Teva to go lead biometrics at GW Pharmaceuticals, which focused on cannabis-based medicine. GW was acquired by Jazz Pharmaceuticals, and now I'm the head of data science here at Jazz. Thank you for that. Yeah, quite an interesting background, and I'm glad you spent a little bit of time talking about your Accelerate journey at Teva, because it will give some insight into your role at Jazz, taking responsibility for the broader data org. So. Sure. We will talk about that in a second, but let's start with Jazz Pharma. Tell us all about Jazz Pharmaceuticals, who you are, what you do, mission of the business, what area of, of biotechnology and life sciences are you guys focused on? Jazz Pharmaceuticals is a great company. The purpose of Jazz is to innovate, to transform the lives of patients and their families. Our CEO talks publicly and has published publicly about wanting to start this business to be a great place to work. And it was really interesting to have found a business on a culture rather than found a business based off of a product. And he very proudly talks about the fact that this company was founded on a culture and the products came later. And I've never seen a man so, uh, so focused on making sure that culture came to life, as well as making sure to live out that purpose of innovating to transform the lives of patients and their families. 
And I'd say jazz, everything we do does focus on the patients and it focuses on uh, making jazz a great place to work. We made, we still at jazz have really laid in or leaned into this concept of remote working and actual working actually pretty dramatically because I think there's even members in senior management that might say that it's not their preferred way to do things, but they know it provides the best culture for the people. And so they do it because of that. So they're very invested in that, which is great. And it's a company that's been around for more than 20 years, believe it or not. It's had the same CEO and founder during that time. Jazz focuses primarily on neuroscience and oncology. So it has uh, both a, a vibrant neuroscience pipeline and a vibrant oncology pipeline. It has multiple products, both within neuroscience and oncology. So Jazz has over 3,000 employees at it right now and is really holding itself up as a great place to work. Thank you for that. I think that's an important place to start because uh, from the conversations you and I have had, it is a unique origin story with the focus on the employees and, and uh, the work environment and culture first, but that doesn't in any way um, take away from the incredible work that you're doing in the neuroscience and oncology space. And right. before we do in, jump into your role as the head of data and, and all things data science, could you give us some insight into some of the successes Jazz Pharma has had with treatment in the neuroscience space? The most famous compounds that you'll know from Jazz are Xyrem and Zywave, specifically focusing on the narcolepsy space. They, and Zywave most recently, the idiopathic hypersomnia space, really focused on sleep medicine and the ability that we have to help patients with sleep disorders. And I can say we've helped quite a bit of patients as a result of the innovations that we've had there. Uh, the other major compound that we have within neuroscience is a compound called Epidiolex, uh, which is cannabidiol, and it's approved for uh, a couple of different seizure disorders. But it's really exciting to be able to have this cannabis product be approved by the FDA and be able to be prescribed to patients with these uh, specific seizure disorders and help a lot of uh, kids and adults in need. We've seen some pretty tremendous effects of this medicine for those kids. And for those adults, and I'm uh, really happy to be a part of a medicine that I think has changed a lot of people's lives. So on the neuroscience side, I'd say those are the two biggest compounds that we have. On the, uh, on the oncology side, we've had compounds in multiple areas, such as acute myeloid leukemia or AML. Uh, we've had compounds for occlusive disease or VOD. And we've in license a very exciting phase three compound called Zany Data Map from a collaboration with Zymeworks. And there's a number of phase three studies ongoing right now, as well as more planned in the future uh, that I think have the ability to potentially change a lot of people's lives. So a number of compounds in the pipeline that we're very excited to be working on. And uh, we do hope it's going to live out to that purpose of transforming the lives of patients and families. Excellent. Thank you so much. So let's talk about you, your team, your role, and its impact and involvement with all the departments of Jazz Pharma. So can you set the stage for us? by starting with your own role and responsibilities and then walk us through what the, the makeup and impact of the data org is on a daily basis at Jazz Pharma. So my role is the vice president of data science, but that's specifically within R&D. We do have other data focused organizations that are sprinkled throughout Jazz, uh, but ours is one of the largest organizations and encompasses over 80 full-time employees. And with the contract and contingent workers, we have over 140 employees that are focused only in the data science space. Our data science efforts focus on six major areas that all combine together. The first is bioinformatics, where we're looking at omics type data, we're looking at computational biology type data to be able to understand more from a biological perspective, what, how we expect to 
um, target new diseases, how we expect specific molecules uh, to impact disease. So to be able to help with things like indication prioritization or to even get more evidence of why we should invest in one indication over another. And then specifically patient segmentation, if we can try to identify the right population of patients to target with a specific disease. The second is clinical bias statistics. I think this is something I'm really excited about. I've told you that I personally have a background in biostatistics and I love clinical statistics in my heart, but I will see a lot of times the statistics function gets separated from the rest of the data science realm. It's almost like statistics is this sacred area that you can't touch, but then you build this other data science organization separately to it. And I don't think that's the right way to go. I love the concept of being able to combine it all together because there are so many data science elements within statistics that you have to combine these other areas with. So for example, how you would use uh, some biomarker work in say a master protocol to be able to try to get a product approved in multiple indications at the same time. The connection between bioinformatics and statistics is so important for that. So statistics is a part of our data science organization and it's responsible for designing best in class, complex, innovative clinical trials to be able to get our products approved. We have uh, a medical affairs statistics organization. They're mainly responsible for the data mining work that we would have. They would be responsible for meta-analysis work and they would be responsible for phase four studies. That may also include things like helping with synthetic control arms in a phase four study, large suple trials, those types of elements. The fourth area that we have is real-world evidence. So real-world evidence, I know, sits in different, different organizations, depending on which company you're in. In jazz, it sits within data science. If you really think about it, real-world evidence is the investigation of data and many times it's previously collected data that we're trying to mine. I think it fits very naturally within a data science organization. And it really allows us to use a lot of our quantitative skill set to design the best experiments and design the best investigations on that. We can not only get really great inference and interpretation out of the trials that we have, but that we can also do it in a pretty innovative, quantitative way. It's a great opportunity to be able to have that in this department and especially combine it with other areas, such as, for example, when we look at indication prioritization, again, within bioinformatics, one of the key ways that we're seeing indication prioritization be done is you actually look for similar molecules that are out in the marketplace that may be using off-label in real-world evidence and look at the effectiveness of that molecule and a similar mechanism of action in the real world to then go and form what's in your pipeline. So to be able to have that formal bioinformatics world evidence connection is very exciting and able to use all of our tools and skill sets together to answer some questions. The fifth area that we have is epidemiology, really focused there on the design of solid observational studies and specifically safety studies as we're looking forward into looking at the safety of our medicines and the marketplace once they're approved. But we also do a lot of incidence, prevalence, and disease characteristics for specific patient populations. It's interesting as we're seeing epidemiology grow, all the different areas within pharma that use epidemiology. You can see that not only in how you're doing like orphan approvals and market sizing and characteristics for phase three study design, but corporate development. And if you're buying new assets, how big is this market share? It really finds its play in all sorts of different places. And it's a very important quantitative skill set to have uh, to go along with the others. And then the sixth is the glue that holds it up together. It's our integrated data analytics and statistical programming organization. So we've taken what's been classically a statistical programming group that generally is focused on clinical trials and, and SAS programming. 
and have expanded it to help with the bioinformatics space, to help with the real evidence space, and to help with the epidemiology space. And I think what's really interesting is as you're seeing statistical programming grow into more of the R Python space, if you're following that at all, that's such a clear data science space for us to get into. If you have real evidence programmers, a lot of times they're not working in R. If you're in bioinformatics, they're all working in R at this point, pins, different visualizations and shoot and whatnot. So to be able to grow one central organization that has all of those skill sets really has a compounding effect of efficiency in terms of the infrastructure that we have, in terms of the skill sets that we're growing and how we can move people to apply their skill sets in one area and then use that to innovate in a new area. So it's really exciting to have that group be able to service the rest of the five organizations and really push them from an innovation perspective. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. So a lot of what you touched on there, just describing the various different teams, really spotlights that data science and, and functionality of data science is involved in every aspect of the business at Jazz Pharma. You, you walking us through the six different divisions. So it's clear that it's a core component of the success of the business. You said something uh, in, in the setup of your role and your view that I want to go back to, because I know it's something you and I were talking about a few weeks ago how you view where data science can impact different divisions and the right way, not the right way, but your view of, of the best way to have data science work in conjunction with different divisions. Can you talk to us about that in a little more detail and maybe for people not as familiar with the, the traditional org charts versus what you're doing and doing successfully at Jazz Pharma? Yeah. I've got a specific theory about this, and there's a lot of people that disagree with me on this, so I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk about it. I don't believe that setting up a separate data science, machine learning, AI hit squad that's totally separate from the other scientific functions is the right way to set up data science organization. And the reason I say that is I've been around a lot of them. I've talked to people that run them. I have friends and colleagues that are in those. And they all tell me the same thing. They all tell me, number one, it's always very difficult to collaborate because invariably there's a quantitative scientist on the other side of whatever project you're working on. If you are focusing on genomic data and you're trying to apply machine learning AI and you're in this central hit squad, there's a bioinformatician on the other side that also has a machine learning AI background that says, I don't need you. I can just do, I can do this myself, right? We see that in the clinical trial space where you've got the statistician that focuses on data mining and somebody else that comes in and says, let me apply my skill set. And they say, you just got the same answer that I got. And I'd say most of the time, what I'm seeing with these centralized hit squads is they're going to different groups and they're trying, but they've all told me is that they're really struggling to create value. I feel like, I just don't know how I can justify the value that our team is bringing and that our team is growing. And that's why we are building those machine learning, AI, data science skill sets within each of these functions, as opposed to a larger function. And I think being a clinical statistician by background, I like to joke and say, imagine if I created like a statistics group, right? And I was like, hey, I just do all the statistics. Don't do a mean, don't do a median. That's my job. 
that would be silly, right? Because statistics is baked into what everything does. Instead, I want to be able to teach other people how to use statistics. I want to be able to grow statistics within each of these functions and allow them to be successful. I view machine learning and AI as very similar. You're seeing that the explosion of that in R&D, specifically within the bioinformatics space, you're seeing it within the computational chemistry space. You're seeing it within real world evidence. What I want to do is grow the machine learning AI data science skill set within real world evidence, within bioinformatics, within computational chemistry, and watch to see what they can do as subject matter experts, just as much as they are data science experts, because then they don't worry about creating value. They know the value they're going to create because they already know the business. They know the questions that need to get solved from a product perspective, and they have the quantitative skill sets to be able to answer it. Matt, thank you for sharing that because I think it's important to hear from a senior leader in a major organization who's taking this approach to integrating data science team in every aspect of the broader org and doing it from the inside out rather than the outside in. It's clearly working. It's clearly being successful, which I, I think is a good segue into what's next for Jazz Pharma. You and I were talking a few weeks ago about the exciting road ahead, the growth plan. Can you give us some insight into what the next 12 to 18 months looks like for Jazz Pharma and what are you most excited about for the road ahead? Our data science vision that we have in our organization is to be quantitative drug developers and people that can leverage all available data and analytics to inform clinical decisions for and increase knowledge about our medicines. I'm excited to grow a team of quantitative drug developers. I think that where the quantitative elements of pharmaceuticals are going is that the data science realm is going to be continuously more and more the backbone of our approvals of new medicines. I think you're seeing that with the MID, the Model Informed Drug Development Guidance that you have. And I know I haven't mentioned pharmacometrics. I don't personally oversee pharmacometrics, but I collaborate with them very closely. And they're a very key role of the data science sphere as well. You look at Model Informed Drug Development, you look at real world evidence is providing substantial evidence for effectiveness or safety for our products. You're looking at complex, innovative design and the Bayesian work you're doing there. And you're starting to realize that most of what we're looking at in the future for innovations in how we're getting products approved is data science focused. And as a result, I believe that there's a number of data scientists that can grow into be quantitative drug developers that know how to use these data science skill sets in order to be able to try to put plans together to get our products approved. So that's what I want to grow our team into. That's what I want to be able to teach people how to do that. Now, the hard part about that is you need people that are aware of the methods in bioinformatics and real and evidence and statistics and programming and epidemiology. And a question for you and others that are listening is how many people in this industry actually have information on all of those different skill sets? And the answer is very few people. And it's not because they're not smart enough. It's not because they don't have the skills. It's just from a lack of exposure. They just don't get exposed to all of these other disciplines. And that's what we want to change. We want to give people exposure to these disciplines. We want to teach them these disciplines. So at the end of the day, they can combine the information from all these disciplines together. And you could potentially have one person sitting on a project team and going, for this compound, I want to take a model-informed drug development approach. And for this compound, I think we should take a real-world evidence approach. And for this compound, we should take a complex innovative design approach. And the only way you can do that is if you are a data scientist that knows all of these different areas or, and are able to use them interchangeably as you strategically lead your compounds. That's incredibly exciting, but it does give you some unique challenges, uh, as you mentioned, is finding the people who have an innate understanding of 
the science, the bioinformatics. So let's use this as an opportunity then to speak to an audience of potential future employees. Uh, there's obviously a, a wealth of talent in the biotech and pharma space who are increasingly leaning into AI and data science. There's also huge demand, so it's incredibly competitive. Speaking to an audience of potential future employees, when you're talking to candidates about Jazz Pharma, what is it that you tell them that gets them excited enough to join you guys over some of the other great companies trying to hire? Because we are the most interconnected data science organization in the industry. We are the group that will allow you to be exposed to all of these different areas. So many of these data science experts have skills that they're getting pigeonholed into one of these different areas. It's amazing to me how many real world evidence leads have a bioinformatics background. How many clinical statisticians used to be epidemiologists? And you find that these people are using one of their tools and their job. Oh, I'm in a stats organization. I guess I can't use Epi. I'm in a bioinformatics. I guess I can't use real evidence. At a company like this, you get to use all of your tools and you get to use all of your skill sets. And if you are in a specific role and you want to learn about how to use all of these different quantitative tools, to be able to be the best leader that you can be, you need an area that you're going to be exposed to all of it. And I'm telling you, at our data science organization at Jazz, this is an opportunity for you all to get exposed uh, to lots of different areas that you're not currently familiar with, but it'll allow you to become a better quantitative leader, especially as the, as the data science field continues to grow in the future. What a great way to end an, an excellent interview. Matt, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us. I really appreciate you sharing your background and your journey because it was important to inform how you got to where you are today. An incredible insight into the world of Jazz Pharma, such a unique origin story of, of starting with culture and work environment first and then working out from there. And, and I think most, most interesting was just how pivotal and interactive data science is with every aspect of the business. It, it's clearly something that's important to Jazz and most exciting is how it's going to continue to grow. So for people listening who are interested in data science in the biotechnology and pharmaceutical space, Jazz Pharma sounds like an ideal place to hone and, and develop your skills. So Matt, we wish you, the team and, and everyone at Jazz, the best of luck in months and years to come and look forward to having you back on the show in the near future. Thanks for having me, JP. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oldest Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.